Shalom, brothers and sisters. Today we will be doing the fourth episode of Juan's World. I'm your host, Juan Salceda, and we're going to be starting off this episode a little bit different with um, a new segment I wanted to do. It's called the Nonprofit of the Month, where every month I choose a new nonprofit and I give a little bit of information about it and how you can donate. This month's nonprofit is one that I, I'm actually familiar with one of the co-founders. She's helped me with a little bit of my creative stuff and she's kind of given me direction and big shout out to her, uh, Sophia Monroe, but their nonprofit is Be Remarkable Youth Workshops. They are created to help end the stigma centered around mental illness by encouraging the younger generation to start conversations and share their stories around mental health. It really helps if you um, donate at beremarkable.org and there you can find more information. On November 3rd in Los Angeles, they will be hosting an event where some of the brave kids come to the stage to share their MI stories and break the silence. It's a really awesome thing what they're doing, so they're just trying to help raise awareness and start a conversation for mental illness in uh, teenagers and the younger generation, which being in high school, I do see a lot of that, and it's definitely an important thing to help out with any way you can, if you can donate or if you can just tell someone else about the cause, whatever you can do, it'd be really helpful to them. Be sure to go check out their website, it's beremarkable.org. Alright, so today on this very special October episode of Juan's World, we're going to be diving into a true scary story that actually happened, and I'm sure a lot of you guys are familiar with it, it's the Annabelle story. And a lot of people have seen those movies, and I absolutely hated the first Annabelle movie. It was terrible. And the origins of the Annabelle, they screwed up a ton. I don't know why they didn't just stick with telling the original story of what actually happened with the doll. Because that would make more sense. Plus, it was a lot better story than what they made with the, the couple who bought it for their daughter or whatever. Yeah, it was ridiculous. But, if you don't know this already, the true Annabelle doll was actually just a Raggedy Ann doll. It wasn't the weird mannequin doll that we saw in the movies that no one would buy for anyone. So, in 1970, Donna and Angie, two college students in nursing school, got a present from Donna's grandma, the Annabelle doll. At first, the doll was just kind of moving slightly. They didn't really think anything of it. It could have just been knocked over or like fell over and then within a few weeks it was moving all around the house so Donna actually kept the doll on her bed but when they would get home they would see it on the floor in the living room this startled them of course they had a friend named Lou who hated the doll and thought the doll was evil eventually they started finding parchment paper lying around the house that said help Lou you know help us and the freaky thing is, none of them own parchment paper. Who owns parchment paper? Like butchers and like murderers. I think that's about it. But this kept happening. They kept finding these notes and written like red crayon. And they do do that in the movie. Um, the Annabelle creation, they use that. Which, uh, that didn't happen either. Like this, this whole Conjuring Universe thing, it's good. But they're not using the real life events which i don't know why they do don't do that that makes a lot more sense they're just making stuff up like no offense to james wan james wan because conjuring one and two were amazing uh annabelle creation was pretty good the nun i still have not seen the nun but i've heard it's not great and that's not even real they just made that up for the conjuring universe 
But anyway, Donna returned home one day to find that there was blood in the doll's nails. This actually goes in line with something that happened later. Lou would have dreams of the doll choking him and scratching his chest, and in the morning he'd wake up to have those scratches on him. So eventually the girls brought in a medium, which mediums, eh, I don't believe in it necessarily, but... <laughs> um, the medium told them that there was a girl on the property named Annabelle Higgins who was found dead long before those buildings were put up. The nurses thought, since it's just a little girl trying to embody the doll, they'll leave it, it'll be fine. Screw the notes that said help Lou and the blood in her nails. Let this doll stay and live in our house. One day they were, while they were planning a road trip, they heard someone coming into the house from Donna's room. They thought it was like someone breaking in. So Lou rushed in there only to see Annabelle sitting in the corner when it was originally in the bed. Like he felt just a scratching against his chest, like a deep scratch, like someone had taken a knife to his chest. And suddenly when he looked at his chest, he saw the scratch marks, which after two days it disappeared as if nothing happened, no scar, no anything. So at this point, the Warrens stepped in. They did an exorcism on the doll in the house, and Ed Warren took the doll, avoiding any major highways, just to be sure that he didn't end up getting killed. <laughs> Actually, the engine kept cutting out with the power steering. That power steering wasn't reliable anyway, even if you didn't have a possessed doll in your car. So Ed Spring went back to his trunk, sprinkled the doll with holy water, and the power steering stopped cutting out. So when they got home, Ed put the doll next to his desk. You know, if I, if I had a desk, I don't think I'd be putting possessed thing next to it. <laughs> Mostly because I don't want it to rip up my paper, crash my computer, or anything. That'd kind of suck. But the doll began levitating, and within a few weeks, it was moving around the house again like it had done at Donna's. So the Warrens ended up calling another exorcism, and this time the exorcist told the doll that it was just a doll and it couldn't hurt anyone, but... On the way back home, the priest's brakes failed and he barely survived the accident that ensued. So after that, the Warrens built a case for the doll, so it can't escape ever. The doll is actually on display at their museum where you can go visit. I've read somewhere that you can't go visit at the moment because of some zoning laws that are taking place where they live. So the museum's off limits, but it's there if you want to go visit it in the future when all that nonsense is worked out. So anyway, that's the story of Annabelle the doll. Personally, I don't know what to believe when it comes to this story. It's a little... The resources are a little bit unreliable, and the Warrens have been known to make up some stuff in their books. But hey, more power to them. They made a ton of money off of that. And they didn't start a cult. There's no harm in it. If you're just making money off lies, then... I guess more power to you. It's not like they're like anything important. It's about like ghosts and crap, so... It's not like they're hurting anyone when it comes to these. The doll could be legit. I'm not going to say otherwise. I guess if it happens to you, it's a different experience. But ghost hunters and all that crap, it's so ridiculous. Nothing ever happens. They stage every little knock. It's literally just... And then they go to commercial. It's just a knock and then commercial. That's the whole premise of all those ghost shows. The kind of ghost show I want to see, comedians ghost hunting. Not Jerry Seinfeld, because he's not funny. Don't get him to host it. But anyway, that's a whole other thing. But you should get a bunch of comedians together and make them go ghost hunting. I honestly think that would be pretty hilarious. And show them the equipment, show them how to use it, 
and then just let them free. That could work. I'm copywriting that. Uh, Sci-fi travel channel, don't take my ideas. With uh, Halloween coming up, I'm trying to do more of these scary episodes. I'm going to try and look up some more true scary stories. The ones that scare me aren't necessarily the ghost stories. Those used to be the ones that really scared me, but now it's like the real life stuff. Like, there was a doctor in Mexico who dug up one of his patients who had died of like influenza and he replaced her skin and like glossed it over with plastic and like made her look like a mummy almost kept her at his house for 20 years they found girl in his bed when they finally found out that he'd killed her i think it was after his death well i'm probably gonna get into more in depth about that incident in my next episode people are weird man it's like some hannibal lecter stuff like, I've never looked at someone and been like, they probably taste good. But there's, like, a lot of people who are like that. And I wonder how normal it was to be a cannibal back in, like, the Mongolian reign. Like, during Genghis Khan or, like, before that. Just how many people were just eating other people. Like, it was just normal. Oh, man, we didn't get rain yesterday. Time for Jimmy to go. Yeah, The Conjuring was probably one of the better mo horror movies to come out in recent years. It really was a refresher for horror. Like, it it started a lot of the modern stuff. Well, no. I guess you can contribute that to, like, paranormal activity. Because in the early 2000s, it was, like, the reintroduction of, like, the flasher horror. Or the slasher horror, I'm sorry. Not flasher horror. That's, that's a different kind of movie. But the early 2000s was kind of a weird time for horror. I don't think there was much notable, like, but then it was like 2008, I believe, that Paranormal Activity came out. And then that kind of just reinvented everything. It really kind of screwed the horror genre, I think. For as amazing as it was for a time, it gave us some pretty crappy movies. And it started the whole low-budget found footage genre that we have. I don't know. I like the third one. And the first one. But that was about it. That was actually the first horror movie I'd actually watched. Uh, Halloween. Halloween and all of them worked for their time. When they originally came out, they were... I'm sure it was like an amazing thing to see. Just something like that. And it still works today. Is a thing. Not a lot of horror genres work outside of their time. There's a couple that do. Like the Friday the 13th, I think, are slightly outdated. Um, Nightmare on Elm Street definitely works still. Halloween works. Chucky isn't really even... I wouldn't put it in the category of horror. Exorcist, that's still good. And I think people try to recreate the Exorcist. Like that original feeling, but it's just so hard when audiences have already seen it. It's hard to scare someone who's already seen something. Like if you watch a scary video that has a jump scare in the, at the end... You're going to know that jump scare is coming, and so you're not going to get that same effect as someone who's just watching it for the first time. Horror definitely needs something new. The Vovich was good. I really like that one. It had a certain dreary quality that's missing in a lot of horror. I think you'd have to go back to the silent movie days to really grasp what that movie was trying to achieve, and I think it did that really well. Um, that, Get Out. Get Out was good. It was a different premise. It really did something different which I think was a nice breath of fresh air any movie 
any horror movie that's able to do something that hasn't been seen before is really going to shine nowadays just because there's so many that are doing the same thing that it's hard for them to separate themselves. And so with Jordan Peele doing uh, Twilight Zone, I think that's an awesome combination because we've seen that he can do something different that's relative to the times, which is exactly what the Twilight Zone was doing back in the 60s where it would kind of show the dangers of a future totalitarian society that was controlled by the government. And it did that in a lot of its episodes. And I think now, with all the social anarchy that's kind of taking place at the moment, I think it's important that we have that outlet that kind of just shows a world where we are not in control. The Twilight Zone did that perfectly for its time. And with someone like Jordan Peele behind the reins of it, I think that... It, it would be awesome to see again. And with the 80s, Twilight Zone, I don't think it had that same appeal because there was no need for it, I don't think. We didn't need something like that. That was kind of a silver age of horror movies. I'd say, like, probably a bronze age of horror movies. And so we didn't need that scare as well as we didn't need that social input. For the most, American society wasn't, you know, in fear that much. And so, The Twilight Zone was really ahead of its time in that aspect, I think. Because it was showing you a world that, that wasn't so far from our own, yet so seemed so alien to us, to the American way of life, that it was something special. Even today, I don't think anyone's grasped. Like, Black Mirror is definitely the closest to it, but even that's hit or miss. I think the episodes can, can drag on too long with nothing happening. A couple of the episodes are really amazing, though, and the fact that half of that cast from some of those episodes have gone on to do amazing things. It just goes to show like the potential that an anthology horror series has into today's society and I think that's why CBS decided to bring back the Twilight Zone with Jordan Peele and so hopefully they know what they're doing. But it is on that CBS All Access crap which I don't know why. Why does, why does every network need a streaming service? It's ridiculous like just put it on one thing like put it on network TV or partner up with a different streaming service like Hulu. Hulu's perfect for that. But no, everyone has to be special. I'm sorry I need to get that off my chest. I'm very passionate about my network TVs. Honestly, I think within the next probably 10 years, network TV is going to be, it's not even going to come close to what it is now. And it's, the numbers, I'm sure, are dropping now due to just Netflix and Hulu and Amazon Prime streaming and all these things. Just because of this generation, like my generation, we don't watch anything on TV live. We have Netflix, you know. The Office and all these things are popular now because of Netflix. A lot of the kids who are getting to that high school and above age watch Breaking Bad on Netflix and watching all these shows after they get on here, Clueless. They're all getting big because of this younger generation watching them specifically on streaming services. And so I think once we get to that pivotal age where we're having kids and we're having to pay bills, I think they're going to want to pay a Netflix, Hulu, um, Amazon Prime bill more than they're going to want to pay a Dish or DirecTV or Comcast bill. Because for one, it's cheaper. And for two, no ads, no commercials, which hopefully that's not coming next with all these streaming services. I know Hulu already does it, but... Netflix has still stayed strong in the game of no ads. Excuse me, I had a burp. And that's why, you know, Netflix even picked up Black Mirror. 
because they saw the potential in it. And I wish they would have picked up the rights to the Twilight Zone, because the Netflix Twilight Zone would have been, I think, the best thing for it. Because I don't know if a network show can handle what the Twilight Zone was doing in modern day, because it was a little edgy for its time. So it was Star Trek in that sense, and that was that's CBS as well. They had the first biracial kiss on TV, and that was, oof. White people got mad over that at the time, of course. It's like that Chappelle joke when he's talking about how to kill every white person in America. Just have an OJ during the Super Bowl <laughs> go to the center of the field and take a D. OJ's old ass wobbling out onto the field. Man, Chappelle's a genius. He's just a comedy genius. The Chappelle show still holds up, too, for being like early 2000s George Bush comedy. It's really good. I went back and watched a couple episodes. Just the Clayton Bigsby one is just ridiculous. Charlie Murphy actually got a hernia from that episode from Laughing Too Hard. That show was something else. It was ahead of its time too, I think. And Chappelle was ahead of his time from leaving Hollywood. If you have not seen it yet, go watch the Bird Revelation stand-up on Netflix. It's one of the like smartest most in-depth looks at Hollywood today, I think. Of course, with the comedic sense to it, but what he did in that stand-up special was just amazing, I think. Like, I look back at some of it, and it was just the metaphors he used to describe Hollywood today and where he was in 2005 when he left... I think it was 2005 when he left the Chappelle show. It was just... It took a lot, and he he's quick to admit that he isn't this second coming a character he's not some comedy genius he and he even came out and said eric you think that stand-up special was genius obviously you've never smoked weed but i do think he's he's something special when it comes to comedy and i think a lot of people don't realize that and now that he's he doesn't care and he's at the point where like eh, i'm just gonna travel around do stand-up shows whenever i want wherever i want I think they missed out in those early days, like Comedy Central did, by not letting him have creative control over all his stuff, because that is why he left. And I think it's a shame that that happened, because that show was amazing. And I th if it continued on, it would have still had its still relevancy. Because Chappelle seems like one of those guys that if he sees that it's not performing the way it, it was, it doesn't have that same aura around it, then he's not going to do it. He seems like one of those guys who knows when to walk away, because he did walk away when he needed to. I think that's going to do it for this episode of Juan's World. Thank you all for listening. Be sure to go check out the beremarkable.org for more information on the nonprofit.